Welcome to the Call to Action Podcast, where we bring you incredible people and even more incredible stories with discussions and topics about what it takes to sacrifice everything to overcome hardships and failures to achieve success. Our guests heard the call. Now it's your turn. You know, there. I feel like the monetization of uh, uh, of hacking has has actually allowed hackers to to step their game up. Yes. Um, you know, you look at some of the major breaches, and they've all occurred. You know, due to some type of vulnerability that was exploited, some type of um, some type of email uh, type uh, social engineering attack. Um, you know, long gone are the days where you know, anybody can hack uh, into, uh, into a network. Our next guest is the chief security officer for a global law firm, Shepard Mullen, Richer and Hampton, that focus on large international corporate clients. He is directly responsible for cybersecurity strategy, security operations, risk mitigation, and compliance initiatives for some of the largest companies on the planet, with experience in areas such as the DoD, intelligence communities, aerospace defense, banking, insurance, manufacturing, and the technology sectors. He is also a United States Air Force veteran, expanding his information technology experience while serving his country. Thank you, sir, for your service. We really do appreciate that. As if this wasn't enough to make you drool, he's trilingual, <laughs> speaking Italian and German alongside his native English. He's an accomplished speaker, leading conversations around the country about cybersecurity, and he even played semi-professional football or <laughs> soccer, as we say here in the States, in Germany. Basically, he's Norton Antivirus meets Captain America that can code on steroids. You aren't getting anything past his security systems. Even Mr. Robot tried and failed, as legend has it. Please welcome our next guest to the show, Quincy Collins. Wow. I, I gotta say that was that was unexpected, amazing. I, I really gotta figure out how to how to bring you guys uh, everywhere I go. That's that's just awesome. <laughs> uh, we, we can be, we we can totally be your hype man, man. No worries, <laughs> we're there for you, bro. You just get make sure to show. feed us with liquor. Feed us oh, with liquor, oh, and we're good on, to go. Man. That's 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 too easy. That's too easy. I'll bring the boombox, <laughs> get a couple of drinks. Yeah. We'll, we'll be good. Love it, dude. Love it. Well, before we jump into your incredible story and talk about some of the juicy stuff that you are into now and, and what us kind of normal Americans who know nothing about the security sector, what we should be doing in our lives, we're going to put you through just like high-performing athletes warm up their bodies before the big show. We're going to run you through a prefrontal cortex warm-up like you've never experienced. It's called the Brain Freeze Frenzy. It's a wild array of random fire questions to break the ice. Are you ready? Ready to rock. Let's do it. What is one of the best things that you've learned about yourself during the quarantine? And then one thing maybe you've let yourself just be relaxed on and not, not push yourself too hard about. Well, uh, one thing that I've learned about myself is that I can be still um, for a while. Um, Prior to the quarantine, was always going out, doing all kinds of stuff, you know, whether it's uh, uh, restaurants, outdoor activities, um, car racing, you know, whatever. Um, you know, one thing that I've kind of relaxed on is, geez, what have I relaxed on? 
<laughs> I've relaxed on going out. Um, I, I relaxed on going out uh, uh, so much, um, you know, staying quarantined, staying safe. Um, everything is mostly the same uh, uh, with regard to, you know, my life, what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm working every day. I'm just doing it at home. So I'm doing a lot of those things at home um, rather than going out and, and doing those things, whether it's working out, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, chatting with uh, with friends, um, doing things virtually. So it, it, things have shifted to a virtual manner and an at-home manner. Beautiful. All right. What is your morning routine? Morning routine. Wake up, check emails, make coffee. Um, if there's time, go out for, you know, maybe a two-mile jog. Yeah. Uh, come, come back. Uh, uh, and then really hit it hard, um, at work. Um, and that's, that's what the morning's like, you know, sometimes you're going to have a very light breakfast. Other times, uh, uh, nothing at all. It just depends on, you know, what's going on in the world. Uh, but coffee is a must. I feel that in the yeah. same way. Sometimes I can go till like noon or one or sometimes even two without food. But if I don't have my cup or two of coffee, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm a wreck. <laughs> what's your totally. favorite submission in BJJ? Ooh, triangle for those who don't know triangle triangle, triangle. you know like i feel like uh the arm bar is a is a wonderful submission um uh the uh, americana kimura you know there there's there are a million submissions out there to to do but i feel like the triangle there's there's nothing like getting the triangle <laughs> set up getting your yeah. body in the right position getting your leg over pulling the head down squeezing until you know they tap out and then you're you know and then you reset then you shake hands and then you reset. That, that's what it's about for me. Yep. I get caught in that one more often than I'd like to admit. <laughs> oh, come yeah. on, man. We got we to gotta, we gotta roll sometime after, uh, after this whole I COVID would, business is done, man. Free tap out sessions for you, man. Just, <laughs> uh, you'll, be, sessions. <laughs> you'll feel real good. Talk about a hype, man. I'll be hyping you up on the mats too. Oh, man. I'm still learning, man. I'm still learning like everybody else. So um, it's, yeah. it's just fun to stay fit, bro. Yeah. It's, a, it's amazing, man. Absolutely. And for everybody, really waking up, jogging in the morning, what a way, you know, we do this too. What a way to just get the energy flowing, bring everything back up. And on that, what is the most successful single security operation that you've been personally a part of? The most successful security operation? I feel like the, the most successful engagement was uh, when we had um, an internal penetration test and um, we did very well. Um, we did much better than I thought we would do. Um, and, you know, you think when you have a, uh, uh, you know, a really badass uh, security company um, come in and do a penetration test, which is, you know, basically coming in with guns blazing to, you know, take mm -hmm. over your environment. Um, if you're able to uh, succeed uh, in your operations and, and deny them their goals, um, that's just a huge win, um, not only for yourself, but for your team mm -hmm. and for your organization. Right. So that, I think that was, uh, that was a, a really huge highlight, uh, to my career, you know, two full-time penetration testers, you know, basically throwing the kitchen sink at you. Um, it's fun. Yeah. It shows that not only your policy works, uh, that you also have the execution to make it happen. So Absolutely. Yeah, kudos to you guys on that. And I think that's kind of how we all met around, around the security round table. <laughs> Absolutely. How many years ago? Yeah, it's a small, uh, it's a small community, but you know, it's kind of like everything that you do, 
it matters. The people that uh, that you know, everybody helps everyone. I love that community. I love the SoCal uh, uh, security community. It's 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 just wonderful to be a part of it, and you know, and give back. It's like uh, you know, you're at the um, uh, you're at Seven Eleven. It's like you give a penny, you take a penny. You know, people help you, you help <laughs> them, and it's uh, it's it's a good uh, situation to be in. I like that analogy. Do you guys go party hard after a big win <laughs> like that? I mean, you guys go smash beers and be like all stuff. How does that work? So my team and I, we, uh, you know, pre-COVID, uh, we would go out to, uh, you know, some of these downtown LA bars uh, uh, and restaurants for, you know, a happy hour every couple of months just to, you know, check in and say, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? How's your family doing? Um, you know, from my perspective, you know, I might pull somebody aside and say, hey, how, you know, how are you? How are How's everything going in the in the realm of you know information security in your life? Um, so it's it's great to have that uh, that informal back and forth communication, and it's also great to uh, throw a few beers back with your team. I mean, there's nothing oh, yeah. better Always. than than a well oiled team that actually likes to go out and, and have some drinks um, together, and you know nobody's forced. It's just uh, it's a cool thing. But the last one we had was virtual. Um, I think it was last month or the month before. Um, and it was just, uh, you know, it was a nice one hour session, just hanging out with everybody. Yeah. Um, got to try some new, um, uh, some new whiskey. Uh, I don't know mm. if you guys heard about it. Uh, screwball, uh, it's pretty good. Uh, oh, it's, uh, it's a, um, jeez, oh, it's a, uh, it's like a peanut butter. Have, have you ever had like a peanut butter stout? Yes. So, yes. So it's peanut butter stout meets, um, um, wow. meets, meets whiskey. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. Just try it out. Check it out. If, oh, uh, definitely trying chance, that out. Yeah. Definitely yeah. trying that out. On the flip, what's the most embarrassing moment in your professional journey to date? Uh, have you ever had, you know, fat finger to delete button versus a save mm. or with the client mm. information or anything of note? Yeah. In one of my previous, uh, previous jobs, I uh, made a, a bonehead maneuver and, um, blocked, uh, you know, blocked a web browser. <laughs> uh, that was, uh, <laughs> that wasn't, that wasn't too, uh, that wasn't too smart. Um, but you know, I, I feel like it's, it's through mistakes like that, um, that you, you learn to be extra, extra careful. Um, and mm -hmm. you know, nothing peps you up quicker than making a mistake like that. <laughs> yeah. Is so, couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah, and always the most secure system is the least usable system. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just unplug it, throw it out the window. That's the most uh, <laughs> uh, secure, secure system yeah. that, uh, that you can have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, pour, pour wet cement in there, you know, <laughs> especially close off the USB ports, flush it down the toilet. Well, oh, yeah. There you go. Oh, Not yeah. secure. <laughs> just weld it, weld it shut, weld it shut. It'll be secure, definitely. It's been said that you love fast cars. What's the coolest car you've gotten to drive? Wow. Coolest car that I've gotten to drive is probably a R8, uh, 2017 R8. Um, I, I think that uh, V10 plus. I mean, you, you got to go course, all the way, right? Um, There's only one I, model, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, there's also the uh, GT, uh, GT3, uh, GT4 yep. versions as well, but you can only get those if you're a part of like a racing team or you go to Europe and you uh, get it direct from um, from Audi. But I got to say, the um, you know, I've, I've driven a lot of cars, R8 probably being the, the, the best and, and coolest, um, but my, my real passion and love is for the E46 M3. Um, yeah. That's a... Um, 2001 to 2006 uh bmw m3 that's just uh yeah i just love the body style it's like uh i don't know it's kind of like a a, a lifestyle 
um, lifestyle yeah, slash slash addiction, right? Mm-hmm. As you're sitting there, you know, trolling the interwebs for uh, for parts and, and and whatever other stuff, you know, looking at what other people have done. It's just, uh, yeah, it's a little crazy, but yeah. uh, but fun at the same time. I'm I'm currently building one uh, right now. Oh man, we should geek out about that a little bit later. My oh, dude, definitely. One of those. And the aftermarket scene is insane. And that that yeah. that inline six, oh, just it, oh, know, yeah. it, re- it revs differently. It's so smooth. It sings. It sings. Yeah. It'll be my fourth. It'll be my fourth one. My fourth E46 uh, M3. Wow. Third or fourth? I got to think about that. Yeah, I've had other oh, M3s too. I'm I've, I've had probably almost 20 cars in my lifetime. A lot of people they go up to the E92 and then they're like, you know what? It's <laughs> too much car. It might just be too much. Yeah. I really like that E46. Oh yeah. <laughs> or the oh, 36. Yeah. Well, the E92s are a little bit disconnected uh, uh, in the, yes. in the driving experience, unless you probably change, uh, change the suspension, maybe change the steering rack, maybe change some other things. But, um, the E46 M3, it's like, you're connected to the road, you're connected to the car, you're connected mm-hmm. to yes. this, to this machine. So it's this, um, visceral experience when you, you know, especially when you mod it, that it's just like, it, it's just not uh, possible to recreate, especially on the street. You always got to drive fast on the track, right? Drive slow on the street, fast on the track, yes. but it's, uh, it's just so awesome. Awesome, awesome. It's the same. It's kind of the same concept as uh, as like jujitsu, right? You fight on the mats. You you let it out aggressively, controlled aggression on the mats, but then you don't want to in public. It's kind of the same thing with cars, man. You gotta yeah. you gotta learn how to do it in the right scenario because you know, otherwise you're putting a lot of people at risk. Uh, yeah. Outside of yourself, for sure. Yeah. What's your favorite football, soccer team, and then player? Hmm. So, you know, I'm a fan of uh, Barcelona. Uh, I'm also a fan of Chelsea, Arsenal. Uh, I, li- I like a lot of the big teams. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I typically follow players and, and not teams. Um, so from a player standpoint, I'd say my favorite player is Cristiano Ronaldo. Second favorite, uh, Messi. Maybe th- uh, third uh, favorite is uh, Kylan uh, Mbappé. Um, so, yeah. you know, I got, I, I just like the way that, you know, those individuals, uh, play on the field and they're very different yeah. players. Those three, um, yes, Neymar, absolutely. Neymar is also, Neymar is also uh, sick, man. It's just, He's it's just beautiful to, to, it's beautiful to watch. And, you know, these guys have not only individual skill, but they also, uh, uh, can play very well on a team. And then, you know, quite a few of them have shown that they can play on different teams, aside from Messi, right? He's only ever been at uh, uh, Barcelona. But you look at Cristiano Ronaldo now at Juventus and back at Manchester, and then uh, he was at the Real too. It was just like, oh, it's just a, a, a beautiful thing to watch. It's the beautiful the game, run was crazy. Yeah, those guys are, yeah, those guys are just magical. Um, so uh, we'll see what happens. They they find a way to transfer it. Anyway. I, I have a feeling if Messi were to move, he would probably be you know, the same, if not even better. I, I don't know if you watched uh, anything going on recently, but he kind of played around with getting out of Barcelona. Mm-hmm. He was having some mm-hmm. troubles and they've just not been treating the players as right as he's been liking. So Man right. City, kind of the team I fell in love with once I followed Carlos Tevez when he moved over there. And then ever since uh, him being there and then he left, moved back to Argentina, I just kind of continued following them. And man, I've just loved how many you know, Arab billionaires have invested into it and just allowed them to snag up these enormous players. And when I saw Messi, I was like, that would be it for me, but it didn't work out 
as of right now, but uh, hopefully we'll see can. next season. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. you know, I feel like sometimes uh, uh, in the public arena, like some of the things that get out, it's like people want to just, you know, build up the anticipation. So, you know, the mm-hmm. whole entire football world heard about uh, Messi and his contract troubles and trying to get out and all of that other stuff. But like, next season we know or or we think we know he's leaving so maybe he's doing mm-hmm. a play for maybe more money at barcelona when his contract uh, expires right. or he's going to be selling a ton of jerseys at man city uh, or whatever yeah. other team who knows there might be a, another team in play that we don't even know about right now yeah so, man that's so a we'll great see. way to look at it very yeah. analytical there i can see i can see the brain working love it like to have All fun right. <laughs> This next one is a two-part question. Breathe into it. It's one okay. of my favorite questions. What has been one great and one shitty piece of leadership advice that you have been given? Hmm. One great piece of leadership advice that I've been given is uh, trust but verify. Um, you know, uh, individuals and organizations think that things operate a certain way and they have an assumption based on the past. And when you go into a new role, you might say, Hey, how does this work? How does that work? How does, you know, how, how do these, how do these wheels turn? Um, and for the most part, everything that you hear is going to be correct. But on the flip side, there might be some, you know, misconception about what's actually going on. So, you know, that's where I kind of bring my audit background into, into things and, you know, it's trust, but verify a, a really, uh, a great, uh, mentor of mine, uh, told me that, um, you know, as soon as I got promoted, um, to my current um, position, you know, you trust, but verify. And it's, uh, it's helped me out quite a bit, uh, um, you know, in not only auditing myself and my own, uh, environment, but when we have to audit other environments as well, we bring that trust, but verify, uh, uh mindset as well. Um, one shitty piece of, <laughs> of, of leadership advice. Hmm. You know, I, I don't think that I've received shitty leadership advice, but I've seen leadership traits that I, I absolutely don't agree with. And I think one leadership trait is micromanaging. Um, micromanagers are, are, are a special breed of, of individuals that, you know, simply can't release control, right? So, you know, if your team knows what they need to do and they have the authority to do it, uh, your team is actually going to be much more, uh, you know, well-oiled, much more productive, much more efficient. Um, they're going to, you know, they're going to meet and exceed timelines. They're going to um, do things that you never thought was possible. And they're going to be able to think freely without that micromanager on their back, um, you know, every single day. Um, so, you know, this, this goes back to my time, uh, where I had, you know, one supervisor, uh, that, uh, you know, when I was in, uh, when I was, when I was in the air force, um, that, that really wanted to keep a tight grip on each and every single minute of the day. Um, and you know, I learned and, uh, you know, I actually folded that or folded the opposite of that into my leadership style. So, yeah, much lower stress environments to really bring out the creativity every single time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Creativity is what we need. Using those traits that you just spoken about that you've developed over these years and in contrast to what you saw as being kind of less than ideal leadership advice and uh, characteristics, what is the biggest yes we can do a moment when a client asked you to do something you just had no fucking idea, but you, but you still went out there and, and got it done? 
Hmm. If any. Well, I, I don't know that there's a, you know, a, a particular control or particular thing or system um, that we've had to, um, you know, put in or, or what have you in any of my jobs uh, that I've had um, that, you know, they're like, hey, you know, you got to do this. I think, you know, especially in my role now, I find that um, clients um, have many different types of requirements. So, you know, uh, we'll have clients from the banking sector, from the uh, insurance sector, medical sector, um, you know, we'll have international clients. Um, so we'll have to, you know, really take a hard look at the regulations, rules, and guidance uh, in those particular spaces, in those particular verticals, and kind of like, you know, just make it happen. So there have been instances where, you know, a client has you know, wanted us to kind of change what it is that we're doing slightly, right? Want us to, um, you know, turn, turn the knob up just a little bit on one thing or another thing. And, you know, if it's something that is doable, um, we go ahead and do it. Um, you know, as it's a, it's a client's first type, type atmosphere. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like, in all of the different jobs that I've had, you know, whether it's in the Department of Defense to now, it's always been a client's first type of uh, type type of atmosphere. Um, in in the Air Force, we call it uh, service before self, right? Um, so you know, you, you know, you got to take a look at the mission first. You know, you, you know what your ro your your role is in the organization or in that little cog or whatever it is that you're doing, and you got to make sure that you know you have excellence, service before self. Um, and, 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 and just do the best that you can. Amen to that. Any crazy hacker security breach stories? You know, I think hacker and breach stories are all over the internet um, uh, with regard this to... A, this is personal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with, with regard to, you know, all different types of, um, of industries. And it's actually pretty crazy because, you know, there, I feel like the monetization of... Uh, uh, of hacking has has actually allowed hackers to to step their game up. Um, yes. You know, you look at some of the major breaches, and they've all occurred, you know, due to some type of vulnerability that was exploited, some type of um, some type of email uh, type uh, social engineering attack. Um, you know, long gone are the days where you know anybody can hack. Uh, into uh, into a network. Um, it's now it's it's gotten a little bit harder, right? Because uh, the world has kind of raised their game up from a from a security perspective, or at least the legal sector, the you know the professional sectors out there. I think some of the mom and pop shops uh, are still going to have um, problems, um, but it's uh, it's 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 difficult uh, to you know to keep up. But you know you just got to do what you got to do. I don't have a um, particular story um, to share with you all. They're all over the internet. Um, it's, it's unfortunate, but um, you know, it's something that we have to, uh, uh, something that we have to consider and, and yeah. know, take care of. Yeah. A lot more bounties are being paid by large enterprising companies these years, especially, you know, Apple's become a big target. Microsoft, of course, have always been a target and, and there's just more and more of that. So since you decided to kind of skirt around that one, what's the most amount of money <laughs> you saved a company due to implementing a security measure that you developed? Turn the question around. <laughs> what What's the most amount of money that I've seen demanded at a ransom? No, 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 payment? that you've saved Sorry. a company. Oh, no, just, or that. Just like, or that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through not <laughs> being hacked, through not being Okay, hacked, okay. Um, I have seen um, millions of dollars being uh, uh, asked for 
in certain yeah. uh, ransom uh, scenarios. Uh, there was one um, South Korean uh, ISP, I think a few years back, um, as we were doing our research for, you know, ransomware and how we can best protect ourselves and all of that. Um, and we found that uh, a uh, hacker uh, had uh, uh, overcome a, an environment. They, they pointed some sort of ransomware at them. And then they asked for uh, millions of dollars. Um, I think maybe it was a little bit uh, more than two million. And then they went ahead and, uh, and paid the ransom. Um, so I, I think with with hackers, um, as soon as they know who they actually, uh, you know, locked up with ransomware, that's when they can set whatever price they want to set. Right. So the flow is the attackers come in. They probably send an email to somebody at a um, at a at a company. And then, you know, the individual clicks on the link. Uh, it, you know, kind of uh, uh, takes over and does some command and control on their computer. And then from there, the attacker then probably loads a few uh, binaries with uh, uh, different types of malware uh, and uh, ransomware. And then it spreads the entire network. And then from one moment to the next, they're all locked up, right? Everybody gets a screen on their uh, on the back of their uh, or on the front of their uh, their monitor that says you have been locked. The ransom is X amount of dollars uh, pay within. And then it, it usually has a timer on it. Um, and it's it's actually pretty crazy. It's scary, right? Because you'll have, you know, someone who's a CEO, their laptop gets locked up. Uh, a secretary laptop gets locked up. IT people. That's crazy. Everything locked up. And then your, you know, your, your email system is down. Your phone system is down. Everything is uh, grinds to a halt. And, you know, you just kind of think like what kind of, business can you do without access to your information technology stack? Yeah. And the answer is none. Um, so yeah, that uh, South Korean uh, uh, ISP uh, example is uh, probably the one that sticks out um, to me the most. Um, you know, insane. there's, there's, there, there are a lot of things going on even right now. There was a major law firm that was, uh, uh attacked and, and, and actually overcome with ransomware just, uh, last weekend, actually a week. It's been exactly a week and they're still right now in the process per their website anyways, in the process of, uh, coming back up with their system. So just imagine a law firm and how wow. you, um, how you actually go through the day. What's the first thing that you do? You check your email. Second thing you yep. do, maybe you check your document management system. Maybe you uh, check the different repositories where you might have documents for, you know, different filings or court cases or, or what have you. It's uh, just a nightmare. Um, and then even back in 2017, um, DLA Piper had a, uh, a major publicized uh, uh, breach of, uh, um, of their, uh, uh, all of their systems actually, uh, where they, they were hit with ransomware. Um, and it, it became global, global news. Yeah, the city of Baltimore as well. Do you think that other law firms uh, do this to each other? Like, is that something that's not out of the question? <laughs> well, like that's a uh, good I, I don't, way to... I, right. <laughs> it's a I don't nice think so. way to get some information. I, I, I don't think that, uh, that law firms uh, are going to be, you know, breaching other law firms. Typically, it's uh, going to be nation-state adversaries if they're looking at um, you know some of the clients uh, that uh, a law firm might have if they're government contractors or technology companies and trying to uh, uh, gain a competitive uh, advantage there um, in 2018 I believe there was a hacking group 
that was going around hacking law firms for merger and acquisition uh, uh, data uh, so that they could either pump up or uh, uh, invest in companies uh, right before they're about to sell um, or right before they're about to uh, do their uh, their IPO or, or what have you. So um, there's a lot of espionage going on, but I, I, I highly doubt that it's uh, uh, right. law firms. Uh, law firms are, are, are mostly concerned with, uh, you know, serving clients and um, protecting their own infrastructure. Yep. For sure, for sure. And if anyone's curious, the CTAP Bitcoin wallet is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, in the description below. Send your they're, Bitcoin. They're actually they're they're absolutely using Bitcoin, um, and and that anonymous way of, of of paying these you know these ransom payments has has actually uh, accelerated the number of individuals and and and, and cr criminal organizations actually going into yeah. um, you know going into the ransomware business. And and it's crazy because they're they're like commoditizing it, and they're They've got like, you know, this uh, Emotet or Ryuk or, or whatever, and then they repurpose that and then license it out to, you know, the small time, you know, folks. Right. And then they get, you know, maybe 20 percent or 30 percent. It's uh, mm -hmm. it's it's prolific. And now it's become, you know, a major, major business for them. So they actually have like a um, uh, they, ha they have quality assurance. They have uh, regression testing. They have, you know, they, 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 they have a full application development stack and they're like, okay, we need to test this. What kind of uh, endpoint security can we get around? What can't we get around? You know, so, so they're, they're becoming very, very smart, uh, uh, very, very um, technical and, and, and very capable. Um, and it's not just the nation state actors too. You have to really worry about these criminal organizations. I would love, let's dive into that a little deeper um, as we kind of build this, your story a bit. Uh, I definitely want to jump back into this, but let's paint the picture of how you got to this point to being able to kind of recognize these scenarios and, and take a huge, big leadership position in a in a huge law firm and, and manage their, their whole network uh, and, and keeping that secure. That's a huge responsibility, but you don't do it overnight. So can you kind of paint the picture, you know, sure. how you started your hometown, maybe what the family like was like and. Uh, sure. Uh, so how it started. Um, so I'm, I was born in, uh, in New York. Um, you know, my parents are, are from Trinidad and Tobago and Antigua. Uh, when I was about two, I moved to uh, Trinidad and Tobago, a little uh, town called Barataria, uh, where, you know, I lived until I was about nine. Um, and, you know, that's where I grew my love for, uh, for football, uh, Caribbean food, oh, yeah. um, and, um, you know, just being active. It was a, a really great time over there. The, the schools there are, uh, are wonderful. Um, I, I moved uh, to Fremont uh, when I was about, mm, when I was about nine, uh, maybe 10, late eighties, uh, actually. Uh, and then um, I stayed, we stayed there for a good, good little while. And then when I was 17, I joined the Air Force. Um, and that's where things, you know, essentially got uh, serious, right? Um, so I, I went into basic training as a, a fresh 17-year-old, uh, had the same haircut that I have today. Uh, and <laughs> I actually, uh, I actually uh, enjoyed it. Uh, basic training was, was, was an awesome experience. It 
essentially reset me from being this, you know, 17 year old that, you know, wanted to play video games and play soccer and all this other stuff to, uh, to, a to, a, a military person, to a, to an air force airman. Um, I was an airman basic and I remember getting, you know, getting my first check was like 300 bucks. <laughs> and it was like, I was like, wow, this is awesome. I, 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 I looked at my, uh, my paycheck that I had from working at Pet Boys uh, to, uh, uh, to working there at the Air go. Force. And I was like, wow, Pet Boys was more. But, um, but yeah, I had a, uh, <laughs> as, a, as an Airman basic, you, you know, you don't make much money. But what you do get is a wealth of experience in, 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 a, in a very structured environment. Uh, and I, I, I built that all the way through. I, I started my IT career after uh, tech school um, in uh, uh, Ramstein at Ramstein Air Force Base. Um, and that was fun, you know, where I got to, you know, work at a help desk do computer maintenance. And then I went to uh, the network operations uh, center, uh, did some uh, switching and routing. Um, and then I moved on over to, um, after about three years, three and a half years, I, I moved on over to uh, a place called RAF uh, Mildenhall where uh, I worked as a combat communications C4 systems operator. So basically that's like a person that can uh, do anything from, you know, work on servers to work on switches to, uh, you know, fix radios, uh, build tents, uh, dig ditches, you know, it's, so it goes, it goes well beyond, um, you know, just uh, sitting in an office all day. I was attached to the 352nd Special Operations Group, which, um, you know, they, they really went out and did, you know, all of those cool covert, you know, missions and the, the, the job of the 352nd Operational Support Squadron, uh, which was where what I was attached to. We were under the 352nd um, Special Operations Group. Um, we would essentially support them. Um, so that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, and then after that, uh, I went to, so after RAF Mildenhall, which was about an hour and a half north of London, um, it's uh, about 20 minutes uh, in, uh, uh, 20 minutes south of uh, Cambridge, uh, I moved to uh, JFC Naples. Um, so that's where I learned uh, a little bit of programming, uh, Visual Basic. I found that I didn't really like it that much, but it was good to learn. Um, How old were you then? Uh, I was mid-20s. So from 17 so from 18 until 21 i was in germany and then from 21 to 23 or 24 i was in uh england um and then from there i went to jfc naples where i i, I spent three years there so i left when i was i think about 27 um 20 yeah about 27 um and uh jfc naples was where i, I learned italian i went strange funny thing i think the beautiful aha women went, over there too <laughs> Uh, it was, uh, it, it was a wonderful situation, uh, uh, <laughs> over there. Uh, but the, the aha moment that I had, um, uh, there was when, uh, they asked me if I wanted to, uh, go to a programming class and I said, yes, I want to go to this programming class. Uh, and then, so we went out in, uh, in, in, in the center of Naples and the guy was teaching in Italian. <laughs> so, oh, so wow. just imagine I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, and, and I had been in, uh, in Naples for, uh, geez, uh, for about a year already. So, you know, I was playing soccer with locals, I was hanging out, you know, going to bars, restaurants, whatever. And, um, you know, I actually was able to follow along in the class and get my, you know, get my little certificate, uh, in, uh, visual basic, uh, six. Um, and, uh, that was just, 
you know, that was just a lot of fun. It was kind of like a little aha moment um, uh, that I had there. I was like, man, you can actually, you know, do this, like, you know, these challenges. So from there, it kind of just like supercharged my brain to like, you know, figure out, hey, what can I do next? What can I do next? What can I do next? So from there. You weren't into computers as a young man, it doesn't sound like. like you weren't coding as, you know, in at 13 and, and hacking into certain, you know, you were, does that something you developed no. in the military? Yeah, that is absolutely something that I developed from the age of 17 when I um, started uh, in the military. Now, a, a funny story about, you know, why I joined the military. Um, you know, I was like, you know, I'm getting out of uh, high school. I want to make money, you know, like immediately. I want to, you know, I want to have a job. I want to have a career. I want to have a future and all of that. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, I was flirting with going to community college locally while working and all of that. And then, you know, one of my friends had this idea. He was like, hey, man, you know, let's join the Air Force. We can go to college while we're in the Air Force and we can have like, a, you know, a full future. So we both went to the, the uh, recruiter station in uh, Concord, California, uh, up in the Bay Area. And I was like, man, this is, you know, this is a great, amazing opportunity. Uh, and uh, what Were do you, you know? there at the time? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I Man, was, you really in, bounced around. <laughs> yeah. At, at, uh, high school, uh, the, at the, at the end, essentially I was in, uh, Antioch, which is 45 minutes, uh, yep. east of uh, San Francisco. Uh, so from there, I actually, I joined the air force. Right. And then my friend who went with me didn't. <laughs> so okay. it was, it was, it was, uh, it was an interesting thing. So I just kind of, you know, maybe it was just meant to be that, you know, my, my Thanks, friend. good friend of my guy, a, a good friend of mine, he was like, Hey man, you know, this is, this is great. And I, I looked into it and I was like, yeah, this is awesome. So, uh, so, so I joined, he didn't. Um, and you know, I, I, I think that it was the best decision that I could have ever made. Um, it, it really, you know, put me out there on my own, I had to kind of get myself going, you know, just imagine yourself as a 17 year old, 18 year old now paying bills, doing your own taxes, doing all these kinds of things that, you know, typically you would have your you know, parents help you with. And then on top of that, being, you know, in a foreign country, you know, uh, for three duty stations in a row um, was was kind of crazy. So, yeah. you know, picking back up on the on the story, I was in uh, J at JFC Naples. It's a, a NATO uh, NATO base where I was doing programming and database administration um, and doing like, you know, like some tier three support or whatever. Um, and I ended up uh, leaving the Air Force in, uh, in 2009. And that's where I started working um, for the Department of Defense uh, as a contractor. So I had various roles there, um, working for like BAE systems, working for, who did I work for? <laughs> it's like a, a, such a long time ago, uh, SRA right. uh, uh, International, uh, and, um, uh, general dynamics. Um, and that's where I, you know, supervised military personnel, um, and very did large, military large right. Uh, and then, uh, did large scale, uh, uh, projects, um, including, you know, information technology projects, information security projects, um, and, uh, certification and accreditation, uh, at the end. Um, and that was, geez, that was until I was, you know, early thirties. Um, and, you know, I ended up leaving the whole DOD uh, uh, kind of uh, the situation um, back in at the end of 2014. And I got to say, it was it was awesome. And I, and I thought to myself, hmm, you know what, maybe I, I want to maybe I want to go back. 
Um, so I, I, I kind of flirted with the idea of going back, but at the same time, you know, I'm from California, you know, my, my family's here, uh, in Northern California anyways. So I really decided to, um, to give it a go. Uh, but first I took, you know, a couple of months of uh, vacation and hung out in, um, in Sweden, in, um, Stuttgart, in, um, Oh, geez. I went to Wiesbaden. Um, I just kind of hopped around uh, Germany and uh, Sweden and um, had a blast for a couple of months before coming back uh, to the States. Uh, and then, got <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so then I, I actually ended up, uh, 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 you know, started looking for a, for a new gig. Um, I think it was like January uh, 2015. And then I, I said, so you know, at this point you're pretty proficient with, with your, your job, like the scope of information security systems. Yeah. Like you're, yeah, absolutely. At this point you're, you're in a leadership role, right? Right. So at that point um, I was acting as a, a principal, um, a principal information security consultant, uh, essentially assessing department of defense uh, systems. Um, so if you look at, um, any base, uh, in, you know, in the United States or, or even abroad they they have, you know, different networks of, uh, information technology systems. So what I was doing there was going off of the, uh, risk management framework. Uh, it's a department of uh, defense, uh, instruction, which, you know, reduces the risk associated with, um, doing business in from an information technology standpoint. So they'll have, you know, their unclassified network, their secret network, their top secret, and then they'll have, um, you know, other networks as well for NATO did, and so forth. Did you forth. have access to those top secret ones? I mean, could you, you know, find out some juicy stuff on some people or what? If did I have to? access? So, so I had the access that I needed to do my job, which is, you know, essentially a least privilege. Uh, uh, it's a least privileged, uh, uh, access. So, so yes, I had access to things, but you know, you can get yourself into trouble really quickly if you're exploring sure. different Edward drives Snowden. and, 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 and <laughs> things like that. Yeah. You, you definitely want to, uh, to do your job and, and go home. Got yeah. it. So definitely. Well, so, first answer. Got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, are you still you know, involved with any top secret or secret information today? Because maybe you still have clearance from those days? So the way that clearances work is that they, they last for a certain time period. Um, and that time period can last uh, from, you know, as low as a couple of years, all the way up to 10 years, depending on what level of uh, uh, clearance that you have. So I don't actually uh, uh, have access to any um, uh, government uh, information. I don't do any of that uh, type of work uh, anymore. Uh, but when I was uh, there, it was it was pretty amazing, you know, the stuff that um, that individuals see and do and and hear, uh, uh, you know, especially when you're you know in some of these you know big rooms and, and things like that. It's it's, it's very interesting. But sorry, I can't tell you guys anything about it. I was just sorry. gonna be like, oh man. <laughs> I was like, I was like, come on, guys. Are you, I was yeah. like, yeah, are you okay, are well, you throwing that one up for a home run or what? Because I'll ask it. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a alley oop. It's an alley oop. Got I'll, it. I'll dunk it. I'll dunk it home. Yeah. <laughs> you do. So well. you're a hundred percent in the private sector today. A hundred percent. Yep. On that similar topic, can you can you maybe discuss anything? You know, like a you know, le leaders talk to leaders. You're obviously. A, around a lot of these very high-tech Los Angeles-based companies, you know, any dialogue come therein? 
So I'm a part of a number of uh, different um, groups or uh, committees, let's say. Um, you know, I'm a part of the ISC squared, uh, ISACA, so, you know, two like large certification boards. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then we have, uh, LSISAO. It's a, it's an ISAC. It's basically an information, uh, sharing organization, uh, which is, uh, you know, basically built on friends helping friends. Um, and you know, if you need, if you ever needed to ask the industry, put your finger on the pulse of the industry and ask like, Hey, what are you doing for this? What are you doing for that? That's where you go okay. to your, your ISAC. They also have, you know, intelligence feeds, uh, flash alerts. Um, and then they also, you know, give you information on, you know, uh, just various things that you're trying to do. So, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, so from a, from a, you know, executive sharing standpoint, um, there, you know, there are many round tables that are out there, you know, you get invited to, um, to certain things. And I think that that's helpful as well. Um, but the most helpful thing is, is really being, yeah, exactly. Uh, being able to forge, you know, really good relationships, uh, with people, I, I think is, uh, is, is the, the number one and primo thing. You know, my example of giving a penny and taking a penny before, um, that's exactly where it's at. You know, you've got to share information where you can and ask for help if you, if you don't know something. So, you know, I, I think it, it, I would be remiss if I didn't, uh, say, hey, I don't know everything when it comes to information security. Uh, I know quite a bit and I've been in the industry for almost 20 years. Actually, next year in March, it'll be 20 years uh, that I've been a part of information technology wow. and information security. So you have to share the information or you have to look uh, for information like it's it's you're you're a part of a big community here. And, you know, even if you're an executive, you're not you know, expected to know each and every single thing, but you are expected to know um, how to find that information out. Quincy, right. for the simple-minded individuals who on a daily basis don't need to quote-unquote think about, you know, security and information and, and everything yeah. you're dealing with, what, you know, can you explain to our listeners who might not know uh, what it is and maybe like why they should be interested in it more? Solid hmm. question. Very applicable. Man, that episode with Quincy was just about as good as this hazelnut latte and made by yours truly. But seriously, Quincy Collins is a fascinating individual, extremely intellectual, and we're so, so lucky to have had him on the show describing cybersecurity, hacking, a little bit of jujitsu, and some things you can look forward to on the next episode. So this is part one. Follow up with part two next week. Uh, he'll keep diving deeper into his journey and uh, where he is today. So stay tuned for that episode. But I just wanted to say thank you, Quincy. Um, and also thank you, C-Tappers, for tuning in and listening to some of our phenomenal guests. Please don't forget to subscribe. Smash that subscribe button. Uh, drop a subscribe on any audio platforms that you may listen to. And hell, if you like our show, leave us a comment, a review, and uh, help us grow this thing. There's something big. We want to take this thing into the stratosphere. So we love you. Thank you. Tune in next week. See you later.